Yeah, so I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood today of like 22,000 store doors. We're really where you want to be. So we're at both major drug chains. We're 50% of shelf space at CVS. We have the entire top shelf with 14 SKUs between our Level Select and our social CBD brands. And I'm happy to announce we're also the top selling CBD brands at CVS. So we, we not only have now taken on some of the most premium real estate in the industry, we've started to really emerge as, as a leader with consumers and taking advantage of that. From the PodConnect studios, high in the Rockies at the beautiful Beaver Creek Resort, it's the Raising Cannabis Capital Show. Today at MJ Bulls, we are joined by Eric Dickens, the CEO and co-founder of Cadenwood Brands. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, Dan. It's great to be on. Well, I appreciate you dropping by today. Cadenwood provides plant-based solutions for just about every segment. And brands under the Cadenwood umbrella span segments such as wellness, immune support, recovery, sleep, mobility, and pet health, which means we have a lot to cover today. But before we jump in, to the specifics, I think it'd be helpful if you could start by explaining how your company is structured. Yeah, it's a great question because we're different from most. So Cadenwood is and was intentionally designed to be a holding company for both consumer brands as well as some of our other wholly owned subsidiaries. So we actually own a company called Ecogen, which gives us the complete vertical integration on the genetics through the ability to grow and process the hemp-derived ingredients that go into our consumer products. We also own a company called E2E, which is based in Phoenix, which produces not all, but most of our consumer goods are finished goods. Mm-hmm. So we actually own the supply chain. It's all U.S.-based from complete end-to-end which gives us a quality control that we really like, especially in this industry, as well as the ability for us to manage our own supply chain, especially with everything that's in the world right now. It's a, it's a real competitive advantage for us, as well as give us a strategic cost of goods advantage, which is allowing us to bring the prices down on our consumer goods. And then we have five different consumer brands that are all also wholly owned, but run as business units in Cadenwood. And you mentioned we have the Level Select brand, the Social CBD brand, the Healist brand, or Healist Naturals. And then we have Purity Organic for our consumable business. And then we also have Purity Pro and Purity Pet, which interchangeably are pet trademarks. You've really seems like you've covered just about every one of the bases. I, and, I, and I'm not surprised because I look back on your career and with a really interesting career and mostly focus in CPG. I'm assuming that a lot of that experience that you had in the CPG industries really paid off when you decided to move over into CBD, but it's not the same. It's not the same. And I know one thing that's really, really important is establishing credibility. And especially for the CBD industry, a lot of people are still skeptical. What are some of the, the steps that you took or are taking to establish that credibility? You know, it's a great question. And, you know, we've come a long way in the three and a half years since we started our business. Early on, we recognized that that was an issue. And me and my colleagues into this industry was the fact that it, it had so much potential, but it seemed it, it wasn't really being run by people with a lot of professional experience in consumer goods, which is what we ultimately saw as being 
the most valuable component of this industry going forward. And at the time, there was a lot of focus on bioscience. People were growing hemp and all of these different things. And there was a lot of money to be made there. But really developing a consumer goods expertise and, and winning there was something that we thought was an opportunity for us. And so it's not just my background, which includes Kraft Foods, Henkel, most recently as the first CMO at King's Hawaiian. But also I had some startup background too with, with LifeLock, but my co-founder, Doug Weeks, he's longtime Kraft Foods. He actually launched the Neo Drink Supplement, which was Kraft Foods' largest new product launch since the DiGiorno Pizza, and then went on to help start a water company called Core Water after leaving Kraft. And that was sold to Keurig Dr. Pepper for just over half a billion dollars. Um, before we started this venture together, but we brought some of the best talent that we've ever worked with together and really establishing our, our team of highly accomplished consumer goods professionals. And then the early moves we made to help with our credibility to stand out from everybody else who was in the space, the biggest one I would say is bringing on the only former Surgeon General that's assigned to this industry, and that's Dr. Richard Carmona. So he's exclusively tied to us. It's the only former Surgeon General that has any stake in any company in this space, and he's ours. And the reason why he's committed to us is because of the commitment we've made to quality of supply, as well as our interest in pursuing research required to help bring the medical science up to speed with where consumers are in this industry. Because we know consumers have figured out the efficacy of these products. What needs to happen for us and the, room and the rest of the industry is for the science to catch up so that we can start making legitimate claims around the efficacy. Other yeah. things that we did to, to bring credibility to the space is early on, one of our co-founders is Steve Garvey, baseball legend. He helped also bring in some other athletes. We have Carson Palmer, Ricky Fowler, Annie Myers-Drysdale, Holly McPeak, and we're actually looking to bring on another notable athlete here in the coming weeks. The team that we built here are all highly credible professionals. And on top of that, the Surgeon General. And then you kick on top of that our executive chairman and our initial investor, Todd Davis, who was the founder of LifeLock, which is the identity theft protection company. He's a unicorn mm -hmm. CEO. That company obviously went on to go public for over a billion dollars and then sold to Symantec for $2.3 billion. So you have a highly successful unicorn entrepreneur at the, at the helm guiding us to hopefully one day is the promised land. And so you kind of put all of that together and we're the most credible company in the industry. <laughs> There's a lot of horsepower in that company. There's a lot of horsepower. You made some interesting moves during COVID. And I would say that at the time, people were probably scratching their heads saying, you're acquiring companies. Most people weren't acquiring, you were acquiring. But the one thing that you did, I just thought was just incredibly intuitive was that while everybody else was going online, you went after shelf staves yeah. and you went against the grain. Everybody was like, this is all online and you doubled down on shelf staves. What prompted you to make that decision? Yeah, so it was very deliberate. In fact, when COVID hit, you know, like everybody else, we respected how much of an issue it was going to be for the country and business in general. But we took a deliberate posture when COVID hit, knowing that most companies and just the normal response to something like that would be to retrench and kind of hold back and kind of wait and see, that was not our attitude at all. We actually took a very aggressive offensive attitude and said, okay, this is an opportunity for us to take ground. We entered COVID with a deliberate mission to come out as one of the industry leaders by a wide margin was our goal. And we saw what was happening 
at retail. And, you know, we were late to the game. There were some brands out there that were early movers that did a great job of securing retail shelf space. But we knew that they weren't doing the things that retailers really want from brands that are supposed to be leading a category and building brands within a new industry. They weren't Mm -hmm. investing in advertising, national advertising. They weren't investing in consumer promotions. They weren't doing a whole lot in terms of developing consumer segmentation, which all consumer segments require over the long term. Everything seemed kind of haphazard. And so the other thing that was a benefit to us as retailers were shutting down their store doors and everybody kind of stopped going to brick and mortar, we knew that the product that was on shelf was starting to expire. And for a startup, that's a killer. You know, you ship all this product to retail and then they say, you know, too bad, but we closed our store doors and now your product's expired. Here, you got to take all the product back and ship us new product. That's something nobody was prepared for. And it was an opportunity for us to, to approach the retailers with our background our media support, our brands that had real clear consumer positioning and the ability to promote with retailers in store. And we started winning that shelf space from the legacy players and what is now becoming a a real leadership position at retail. I actually believe all of the companies see this as being the case. It's just because of their situation, they're probably pivoting their story a little bit. But we see retail as having the most upside in this industry as regulatory clarity enters. How much shelf space do you currently possess or control? Yeah, so I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood today of like twenty-two thousand store doors. Um, <laughs> but we're really where we're really where you want to be. So we're at both major drug chains. In fact, at CVS, we're fifty percent of shelf space at CVS. We have the entire top shelf with fourteen SKUs between our Level Select and our social CBD brands. And I'm happy to announce we're also the top selling CBD brands at CVS. So we we not only have now taken on some of the most premium real estate in the industry, we've started to really emerge as as a leader with consumers and taking advantage of that. We're also at other places. We're at Kroger. We're going to be on Harris Teeter soon. We're at Food Lion. And we just shipped to Dollar General. Dollar General has the most store doors available in this entire industry, over 8,000 store doors. I think it's like 9,000 now. So we're now with items that are appropriately priced for that channel. And, and, you know, we're continuing to build on that as we go through the rest of the year. That's really exciting. Now, a lot of the co- companies within your, or your peers are publicly traded. You're still private. Thank you. What are some of the advantages of, of remaining private? Yeah, so we're very thankful that we're private. In fact, we think that companies are being unfairly valued, frankly. We think that the the public markets are punishing those companies. We think it's unfair, but there's not really anything any do about that. In many cases, the the value of the stock is less than the asset value of the company, which makes, you know, that's upside down world, but that's just the way it is right now. We have a group of very supportive investors that have bought into our vision and, you know, the plans for us to grow even beyond where we are right now are pretty significant and along the lines of what you would expect from people with our background that know how to to build national brands at retail. And so we're very fortunate to be private and not have the pressures of the public markets and be in a position really to have still the different potential exits at our disposal as this industry matures. It's Again, you position yourself correctly in that move as well. You mentioned investors, and my listeners are all curious. 
are there opportunities for for people to participate in this exciting growth story? It's a great question. You know, even when we don't have investment vehicles necessarily open, uh, we're very reluctant to say no because there's always a reason for us to take in cash and find ways to put it to work to help grow our business. So while we don't have a specific vehicle open today, um, we are interested in having conversations because we have a lot of things that we're working on that are going to require cash. And so for the investor that's um, that's willing to participate in what we're doing, uh, we, we do want to have that conversation. Well, that's good. That's just what we wanted to hear. That's just what we wanted to hear. We'll have links to Cadenwood brands in our show notes. So whether you want to learn more about their products, maybe make, place an order for a product, or you want to talk to them about possible investments. I'm sure somebody from Eric's team would be happy to speak with you. Eric, this is a lot of fun learning about your company. I appreciate you being on the show today. Yeah, no, thank you. It's, it's a lot of fun to talk about the business. You know, it's not the best of times for the industry, but we're very optimistic on, on where our business is going, as well as the, for this industry as things continue to shake out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canada podcasters right here on PodConX and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.